Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Whenever I'm talking to folks about improving their garden yield or making their garden more productive, my recommendation is almost always the same. Add compost. Whether you have clay soil, sandy soil, waterlogged soil, dry soil, I don't care what you got, compost is literally black gold for your garden. And my very favorite part about compost is that you can basically make it yourself for free. And in today's episode, we're diving into the ins and outs of making and using your very own black garden gold. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, well, this is the place for you. This episode is brought to you by Union Wireless, who I am very proud to have as a sponsor this month. Union is a small town company that began over a century ago when one man recognized the need for Wyoming folks to have dependable communication and decided to do something about it. Sounds like my type of person. Ever since, Union has been providing both rural and city folks alike with landline, cell phone, and internet options. I adore salt-of-the-earth companies like this, and while I know that not all of you listening live out west, if you are in Wyoming, northwest Colorado, Utah, or Montana, I highly recommend checking out their website at unionwireless.com to see if they are available in your area. So I want to start off with just explaining how I have composted over the years, because I've had a lot of requests for a podcast blog post, or excuse me, a compost, not podcast, a compost blog post, or a compact post video, etc. And I'm always like, "Er, maybe you should look someone else up for that information, because I have composted since the very beginning. In fact, a compost pile is what started our homestead, if you remember that story from previous episodes, or maybe my one of my very first blog posts. But that being said, I have not composted in a very traditional, is that the right word? Rule following way? I don't know. I've just basically thrown some stuff in a pile, said a prayer and hope it worked, which it kind of has. But I I guess I just haven't followed perfect compost etiquette (laughs) for very long. So I want to tell you what I've done that has worked. Maybe not as effectively as other options, but it has worked. And then I'll give you some tips for how to do it the right way that'll give you compost a little bit more quickly. The cool thing about it is it's not rocket science. So whether you do it Jill's way or you do it the proper way, you'll end up with something that's probably very usable and very nutritious for your garden. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. So the first thing we did as new homesteaders, new property owners, if you remember the story, we piled up our horse manure in a giant pile. And that has been our compost pile pretty much in the same spot for over a decade. Initially, we had started with some little bins because we didn't have a tractor and I needed a way to manage the compost. But then as the horses, the horse numbers grew and the horse manure increased, the little bins weren't so hot. They weren't so effective. So we had to make a bigger pile in the back. And basically my method, if you will, I use that term loosely, 
for composting horse manure is just to put it in a big pile and ignore it for a couple years. There you have it. The end. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but no, really, that's what we do. Um, does it compost it very quickly? No. Is it the perfect mixture of nitrogen and carbon? No. Does it work in the garden? Yeah, it does. And if you leave it long enough, even just a giant pile of horse manure will break down into this beautiful, crumbly, dark compost that you can put in your soil. So that's kind of my initial way. And I know some of you, I've gotten your emails or your messages and you're like, I bought a property or I have a friend with an old farm and they have a big old manure pile in the back who that's been sitting there for a million years. Can I use that? And I'm like, yeah, that's probably going to be great. There might be some weed seeds in there. That's possible. I know with different periods of time, that big compost pile in the back maybe didn't get hot enough in the middle to kill all the weed seeds. So there is that risk. You have to keep that in mind, but it's worked pretty darn good. A more recent compost adventure I have started is the chicken compost pile. And you might have remembered me mentioning this from my chicken power podcast episode, but we, you know, we cleaning out the chicken coop, there's shavings and chicken poop and all that stuff in there. And I disliked, I have always disliked having to haul it all the way back behind the barn to dump each wheelbarrow load. So I was thinking, thinking is good. And I'm like, how can I make this a little bit easier where I'm more prone to clean out the chicken coop on a more regular basis? Cause it's not as difficult. And so we decided to build a chicken powered compost bin in the chicken run. So we have this, this enclosure that circles the chicken coop and the chickens can go out there. And so we used three pallets, built this little bin and I've been piling everything from chicken coop cleanings to garden trimmings to old kitchen scraps in this pile and letting the chickens not only just peck through it and eat what they want, but also they turn it as they scratch. Now, this idea is good. I feel like we could have done better because the mistake I made with this bin was that I didn't line the insides of the pallets. And I didn't initially do that because I wanted airflow into the compost pile because air is an important part of compost. However, the problem with that is the chickens fling that compost, fling the, the shavings or whatever, a million miles outside of the bin. So my bin is only about a foot tall, it, full of material, and it has not grown. Even though I pile more things in there, the chickens just sling it out. So my plan is to take some landscape fabric because it'll still be breathable and line the inside of that bin with the fabric just so the chickens can't throw it all over the place. Um, so that has been sort of a success and sort of a failure, I guess, all at the same time, because it's been wonderful to have a close location to dump things, but it also hasn't piled up necessarily because the chickens are scratching it all over the place. But I think it's a great option if you want to use your chickens to help you turn the compost. And we'll talk a little bit more about turning and aerating compost here in a minute, but that's an option. You can, you can make a bin or maybe you don't have chickens and you put a similar sort of pallet bin in the corner of your garden and keep it there. That's other, another thing you could do. Uh, another compost method I have tried, this was many, many years ago. It was a giant colossal failure. <laughs> I took an old Rubbermaid tub, you know, the kind that you store things in, in your garage. And I read this tutorial somewhere about how they, they can make great compost bins. And so I had Christian drill holes all over the bin because you need air, obviously. 
And then I would, I started to layer kitchen scraps in this tub and I'm like, I'm just going to keep this outside the door. I can throw kitchen scraps in it and it'll turn into compost. And it didn't, it turned into a giant wad of black sludge, which likely had something to do with my improper management of this compost tub, but still it was not a good fit for me <laughs> and my lack of uh, attention to such things. So you could try that if you really wanted. You could also use a five gallon bucket with some holes. There is also compost tumblers out there that you can use that you put your kitchen stuff in there and you turn it around with a little crank handle. Those are all options for me. However, with the quantity of compost materials that I have, you know, the horse manure, the animal manure, the chicken coop cleanings, the garden stuff, a little tumbler or a little tub is just not a great fit. So maybe if you live in an apartment or you live in a neighborhood, that might be your jam. For me, I prefer a little bit bigger, but I just wanted to throw that out there so you know it is an option. And also if you're going to do a plastic tub, you got to be paying attention to it because it can get gross real quick. <laughs> uh, okay. So those were, those are my compost adventures over the years. Some have been more successful than others. It's been very, uh, unorthodox. It's been very laid back. Uh, but let's get into some of the more proper ways to compost. Cause some of you might want to do this the right way, right from the beginning. That's a novel concept, right? And maybe you don't want to throw all your horse manure in a giant pile and just ignore it for five years. There are other ways to do this that make it much more time, uh, efficient. What am I trying to say? Much more timely. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. It doesn't take as long. Okay. A book I recommend, I've recommended this, recommended this book before. It has a wonderful section on composting and it will also help you just to understand your soil, but it's called, I believe it's called the Organic Gardener's Guide to Better Soil by Jean Logsdon. I don't know if it's in print anymore per se, but you can get older copies for pretty cheap on places like thriftbooks.com or abebooks.com. And I got my copy there and it's wonderful. I read it and it was actually quite fascinating. Uh, you wouldn't think a book on dirt would be that interesting, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and I have been recommending it ever since. So that book will tell you everything you need to know about amending your soil, has a great compost technique that's outlined very clearly in there. I also have a blog post that we recently published, I don't know, a couple months ago, over on the prairiehomestead.com. I will leave the link in the show notes. And it's also going to give you some formulas and some ideas of what you can compost, what you can't, and things like that. So check that out if you'd prefer to read that's information versus just listening to it. Or maybe you don't want to take notes. You're driving. Totally cool. Just remember to go check out the show notes and you can get all the information you need over there. Uh, basically, there are two different types of composting, cold and hot. Cold composting is more of the casual approach to this idea. And hot composting is the more serious, a little more quick way to compost materials. Obviously, cold composting is what I have done. It's basically you put everything in a pile and ignore it. It is the method I excel at. And over the course of a couple years, one to two years maybe, the pile will naturally decompose. So this is a, a good method if you don't want to have something else to monitor and you don't want to have to do a bunch of work to keep it going. You just have to be patient and eventually it will get there. Now, hot composting is for more serious gardeners, or let's say you need compost ASAP. You need to make it happen. It's going to be more quick, but it's also going to require 
more work. Now, if you do it properly, you feasibly can have compost ready to use in just, I don't know, a couple months, maybe. You have to make sure your ratios are correct and you have to make sure that you are monitoring the pile, turning the pile, watering the pile if needed. So there are four ingredients that you must have for hot composting and those are nitrogen. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute where you get nitrogen, carbon, air, and water. And when those four things are properly balanced, your compost pile will get hot. And that's a good thing. The goal is around 140 to 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's good because the hotter that pile gets, the more quickly it will decompose and be ready for you to use. And it will also potentially kill off weed seeds that could be hiding in the compost materials. So the nitrogen and carbon are going to come from the things you add to the pile. And I'll just hang tight. I'll give you a list in a minute. And obviously the air is going to come from you turning the compost, whether you use a tractor or a tumbler or just a pitchfork. And then the water will come from you watering it. Maybe you do that with a hose and a sprinkler. Maybe you get enough rain in your area that it keeps the pile sufficiently wet. But that would be what you would need to be a little more effective with your compost. Okay, so let's talk about what you can compost. The answer is quite a few things. It's pretty cool. So there are two categories that you can add to a compost pile, and they're often called greens and browns. So greens are also known as just nitrogen sources. So green is nitrogen and brown is carbon. Now, if you are just casually composting, like you're doing the whole cold compost Jill method, basically you don't worry about this. You just throw stuff in the pile and wait for it to do its thing. So in my instance, we have a ton of horse manure. Horse manure is a green. Horse manure is nitrogen, big time. And my pile is mostly nitrogen. There might be some hay or some bedding that gets scooped up and put in the pile, but my, my pile is mostly nitrogen probably far, far more nitrogen than it actually needs, but it will still break down um, eventually because if I give it enough time. Now, if you are more serious about the compost, if you want to do the hot compost method, you want to shoot for a ratio of three to four parts of brown materials or those carbon to one part green and the nitrogen and carbon work together. And that's where we get that beautiful synergy happening. So some examples of green or nitrogen materials you can add to your compost bin or your compost pile would be basically your kitchen scraps. So you can compost your animal manures, but you also can absolutely compost your kitchen scraps if you're not giving them to your chickens or your pigs or whoever else you have hanging around the homestead. So fruit peelings, fruit scraps, vegetable ends and peelings, coffee grounds, eggshells, um, nutshells. You could do cut flowers. You know, if you cut flowers from your garden, you can put those in the compost. Um, grass clippings are a great one. They have, when they're, when they're fresh, they're green. And as they, as they dry, they can become kind of more of a brown or a carbon, but initially they're green and absolutely animal manure. And you want to make sure if you are using animal manure, it is from herbivores, right? So we don't want to compost cat or dog manure just because of there's, there's some disease issues that can happen there. So horse manure is fantastic. 
Steer manure is great. Chick manure is hot. It has a lot more nitrogen. It can burn your plants, but if you compost it appropriately, it's great. Rabbit manure is awesome. Goat manure is awesome. It's a little milder. It's kind of funny. I have to tell you the story. I was coaching my homegrown group, which is my kind of homestead coaching mentorship program that will be opening up again soon. So we can put a link in the show notes for the wait list on that. But we were having a episode on soil, or not episode, we were having a, a coaching call on, on soil. And we were talking about composting and different types of manures. And I was talking just like I am now, I was saying, you know, well, my favorite type of manure is horse manure. And then my next favorite type is goat or rabbit manure. And like, just as I was saying this coming out of my mouth in the house, a friend walks through the door and I'm just like, oh my word, what is he thinking? Like Jill's over here talking to herself about her favorite type of animal manure. Like this is weird, but as homestead folks, we're kind of our own type of weird, don't you think? Like you get it. That's why we're, that's why we're here together. Anyway, uh, horse manure is fantastic. Rabbit and goat is fantastic because it's milder. Um, chicken manure is hot. So you'd be very careful adding that to a garden unless it's well composted. Cow manure is good. It's a little bit more wet. So you need a lot of straw or carbon in there to help kind of balance that out. So any of those things are going to be green or nitrogen materials. Now, what about the brown, the carbon? So that's going to be, just think anything dry and stemmy or woody or uh, kind of plant material. So newspaper can be a brown material. Dried leaves, pine needles, straw, old hay, sawdust and wood shavings from untreated wood. Don't use treated wood. Corn stalks, twigs and small branches, um, any of that stuff you could use to balance out the green in your compost pile. Now, like I said, it's tricky with our situation because we have a lot more animal manure than anything else. And so we have a lot of nitrogen, but if I was going to speed up this process, I'd really just want to be more conscientious about my layers. And that book that I recommended, the uh, Organic Gardener's Guide to Better Soil, has some excellent recommendations of how to layer those and, and kind of give yourself a leg up. Okay, a few things that you should not compost. Um, you're just going to want to think about this in two categories. We don't want to add things that are going to make our soil or our resulting food unsafe. And we also don't want to add anything that's going to make it smell or attract pests or animals. So things that might contaminate a garden would be things like treated wood, sawdust, um, straw or hay that came from a field that has been sprayed with chemicals. And this happened to me. You guys probably remember this story where I poisoned my garden with hay that had been sprayed with an herbicide. And so be very careful that if you are adding old hay or old straw, that it is very old or it has not been sprayed. You don't want to add diseased plants. So if you've been pulling something out of your garden that has some sort of plant disease, do not add it to your compost pile. Do not add weeds that have a lot of seeds on them. So if you have a big old weed plant that has a ton of seed pods, do not put it in your compost pile. And you also, like I mentioned before, you don't want to add manure from pets like cats or dogs. So those could potentially add harmful things into your soil. So avoid those. And some things that I don't add just because they can attract the dogs or coyotes or raccoons or whatever. I don't do oils or fat or like grease in my compost pile. It just doesn't really do much for it anyway. I don't put um, meat or 
like animal bones in there. Now, some people will bury bones into a compost pile and it'll eventually break down the bones. That will draw in my dogs like nobody's business or coyotes. And I don't want that with my chickens. So we just avoid that in the compost pile. Um, and same goes for dairy products. I might add a little whey if I have a lot of whey, but I'm not going to go dump milk in there just because it'll be sticky and sweet and bring in all the flies and all the animals and the cats will be over the licking it. It'll just get messy. So I steer clear of those things, but that's really the essence. And like I said, you can go to the blog post and check out a little bit more of the techniques and the details, but composting does not have to be difficult. It can be really as hands-off as you want it to be as, as long as you're patient. And it is so incredibly good for your soil. And like I said, if you have sandy soil, the recommendation for that is organic matter, AKA compost. If you have clay soil, the recommendation for that is organic matter, AKA compost. It's going to give more nutrition to your soil. It'll make it more fertile. It will help it hold water and nutrients more efficiently. You really just can't go wrong. And if you're making it yourself, it's free. So when we live in this world of, you know, chemical-based farming, where we're adding chemicals to the soil and then we have to spray things on our plants to keep them from being eaten by bugs, it's just this artificial dynamic that we've created. And when I see compost as being just a way to get back to our roots in the garden, literally and figuratively, because it is one of the very best ways an organic gardener and really any gardener can increase yields, boost production, and just care for the soil, be a good steward of the soil without having to add a whole bunch of artificial junk. So I hope that was helpful. Hopefully that piqued your interest. I highly recommend that all homesteaders have some sort of compost pile. Even if you live in an apartment, get a tumbler or a bin, not a slimy sludge bin like me, but a good bin or a tub and start composting those kitchen scraps. Stop throwing things in the trash. You know, you don't have to throw away your leaves or your garden or your yard trimmings. Figure out a way to put that back in the earth. And I think you'll be extremely happy with the results. So if you are ready to do this homesteading thing, wherever you may live, you're ready to make it happen, but you're not quite sure of where or how to start, I have a library of resources that I've put together for folks just like you, and you can get the whole thing for free. Head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash grow for complimentary access. All you do is input your email and you will immediately get an email back that gives you full access. So enjoy. And that is it for today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to my ramblings about things like compost and animal poop. And it always is so happy for me to see you guys sharing episodes and leaving comments. And I love knowing that all these crazy old fashioned topics are resonating with you just like they're resonating with me. Because you know what, friends, as silly as it may be to some people that we're talking about rabbit poop and gardening and things like that, it really does matter. It makes a difference. It makes our families healthier. It's good for us as humans. And I'm really, really proud to be a part of this old-fashioned community with you. So thanks for being here. And that's it for today, but we will catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.